everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. So before we get started, I just wanted to talk a little bit about how I'm structuring this. So basically, I have in front of me a very long list of K-dramas, um, pretty much all the ones that I started watching, some I finished, some I didn't, um, and then also a lot of dramas that I, I still would be really interested in watching, so I'm going to talk about those too. And at the end of the episode, I'm still going to do my random thing and what I'm loving this week, which will also be related to the K-dramas that have come out this year in 2019. Um, so I'm very excited to talk about all this stuff. I think it's kind of interesting. I know my drama viewing habits have changed a little bit over the years that I've been obsessive. Um, and at first, you know, I would watch a drama and not think it was very good, but I would sort of like force myself to finish it just because I was like, no, nah, I'm doing it. I'm going to the end. And I don't really do that anymore. These days, if something is like kind of pissing me off I will just stop watching it like life is too short for shit dramas and there's so many good dramas out there so if it's not personally working for me I do jump ship um, and I think the interesting thing about that is a couple of years ago I think there was a lot of dramas coming out that I did force myself to watch that I just feel poisonous about even to think about them makes me just want to like vomit a little bit I hate them so much and that's only like my own fault because I forced myself to watch them so I think the interesting interesting thing from this year is that there probably isn't any dramas that I hate, hate, hate with a passion. There was lots of dramas that had things I loved and things I didn't love about them or certain aspects or characters or storylines I hated. But as a whole, there wasn't anything that I kind of hated with that sort of fiery passion that I've had in the past. And I really think that just comes down to, you know, if I'm not into it, I'm not going to fucking watch it. And I, I think that that approach works really well for me because it keeps me happy. And seriously, what is K-drama watching if not a hobby to make you happy? Uh, so I'm going to get into it. I'm going to start with a list of everything I did watch for 2019. And then I'm going to talk about the dramas that I missed that came out in 2019 that I'm still hopefully going to give a go at some point. So here we go. Okay, just quickly before I get started, um, I'm just going to let you know that because there is so many dramas I'm trying to get through today, uh, this episode is actually going to be split over two weeks. Um, so I'll do my first half of 2019 this week and my second half next week. But both episodes are quite long anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's just a heads up before I get into the show.
the first K-drama on my list for 2019 is My First First Love. I don't know why it's first on my list because it didn't come out first in the year, but there you go. That makes no sense, but it's happening to you. So My First First Love is kind of like a college age youth romance drama. It's very much a coming of age. Um, it's centered around Jisoo's character, Teo, and it's really about kind of his battles in life and love um, as a whole bunch of haphazard, ridiculous friends move into his house, including the girl that he has been best friends with since he was a very small child, who he kind of seems to have been completely in love with for a very long time and maybe hasn't fully, fully admitted that to himself and is now deciding to move on with his life and get a new girlfriend, which he does. And of course, that causes a lot of complications, particularly when, you know, this best friend girl of his um, moves into his house, is in his face all the time and also starts dating his good friend. Uh, it was really good. I really, really enjoyed this drama. It kind of has everything you want from those kind of silly rom-com, but also quite heartfelt kind of Korean dramas. These, I guess that fits into that youth category. There was parts of it that was very, very funny, but other parts that was really moving and really, really romantic. Um, the love triangle in it, I really liked. I think uh, something I've learned about myself and my viewing habits is I'm really picky about my love triangles. They, I love them. I really like them, but I also don't like shit ones, <laughs> obviously. So a love triangle for me is when, you know, everyone has emotions that are tangled up in a really, really complicated way. And everyone is very conflicted and everyone kind of has something in the way of doing exactly what they want in that love triangle. Um, so this one for me was a really good example of a really well done love triangle, as in, you know, Jisoo's good friend from when he was a kid, this girl falls in love or likes his friend and then begins to see that maybe her feelings for her best friend are a little bit more romantic than she could have ever, ever guessed. You know, she just thought they were mates and maybe that's not the case. And I think it's portrayed in a really, really beautiful way in this drama, um, just through the idea of, you know, of love built on friendship, on this really solid foundation of years spent getting to know each other and two people being so close and in tune with each other that they are able to help each other whenever someone is going through something bad or dark. And I really, really love friends to lovers as a trope. I think it is so much fun. So definitely, definitely, if you like, you know, rom-coms, um, youth dramas, uh, coming of age kind of storylines and themes, this is a fantastic drama to check out. It's called My First First Love. It's just like one of those really easy to watch, addictive kind of shows. Also, it stars Jisoo, who I think is such a good actor. He's so wonderful. He doesn't do main roles like ever I don't have any idea why because he's super popular so he is fantastic in this he's very goofy and kind of stupid in a really like lovable goof kind of way um, I might point out that also as a very kind of side character one of the sort of idiotic friends that moves into the house and just gets in everyone's way is um, a character in this called Hoon who's played by an actor called Kang Tae so Kang Tae-ho, uh, this was the first drama I ever saw him in and he is goofy as fuck in this drama. Like he is a complete 
a crazy idiot, but very, very likable in his idioticness. Um, I found him very charming, but he also just comes across as the biggest doofus in the world. But interestingly enough, at the very end of 2019, he also uh, had a starring role as the second male lead in the very, very popular K-drama, the historical one, Tale of Noctu, uh, starring Kim So Hyun. So he plays the second male lead in that. And I don't want to spoil anything because it's kind of, it's quite fun in that drama, but he plays a very different kind of character. So um, I think from seeing him in both this drama and Tale of Noctu, I think Kang Tae-ho might be a very, very good actor. He's very charming. There's something very likable about him, even if he's not playing a likable character. So I think that he might be one of those actors to watch that might be sort of breaking out into male lead territory. Um, I thought he was really good. I never would have thought that just after seeing him in my first first love because he is so goofy and silly. But seeing what he can do in a more serious role kind of had me reassessing him. I think he might might do quite well for himself or at least I hope he will I would certainly be very interested to see him in other dramas in the future so that's it for me on my first first love uh, my verdict is definitely watch it definitely definitely go and watch this show it is fun and it is addictive The next drama on my list is called Wind Bell. It is a web drama, so it's just a really short little thing. Um, 10 episodes, but from memory, I think each episode's only like 10 minutes. Um, I don't have a lot to say. <laughs> I didn't actually get through it, uh, which probably tells you a little bit about how I felt about it. It certainly wasn't bad. It's just like a little breezy sort of opposites attract romance um, that's also filmed in Bukchon. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's kind of um, a really beautiful neighborhood in Seoul right near the main palaces or squeezed between the palaces. So it's one of Seoul's oldest districts um, that has been continually, you know, lived in, um, by people, you know, since the Joseon dynasty or potentially earlier, I don't know. Um, but it's a really, really beautiful neighborhood with a lot of traditional Hanok houses and things like that. So I've walked around there and it's gorgeous. Um, so that was probably why I picked it up. It stars, um, Jung Jin Young, who is also playing the second male lead in My First First Love, which I just mentioned. Um, he's, you know, he's such a pretty guy. I'm not particularly fussed either way. Like, yes, he's very pretty, but that's about it. Um, the female lead in this is played by a K-pop uh, girl called Mina. I don't know her. I'm not so much into the K-pop, so I'm not very knowledgeable about that side of, you know, Korean pop culture. Um, but I didn't really get into this one. It's that kind of thing where he's this like world-class novelist coming back from America. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just because I am a writer and an author. And, you know, it's really fucking hard to be a world-class novelist <laughs> these days. You know, like if you think about how many there are, there, there aren't many and they all have 40 books out and they've all been out, you know, for 30 years writing these books. And, you know, unless you're JK Rowling and then even her, you know, she has a lot of books out. She's been around for, you know, a long time. So, I think maybe I was supposed to just suspend my disbelief that there's, you know, very fresh faced, pretty young man who looks all of, you know, 22 years old comes back and he's this really rich, 
rich novelist, you know. I fucking wish I was a rich novelist, but unfortunately I am not. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it's such a quick watch. You could probably watch it if you wanted. I wouldn't say that I'm particularly recommending it to anyone. I didn't particularly like the characters it seemed a bit cliched and he's you know just really perfect and really rich and she was like a frazzly idiot uh you know not the actress but the character that she was playing wasn't particularly appealing to me so I just didn't really get into it um but someone else might have a very very different reaction to the k-drama uh the web k-drama wind bell The next K-drama on my list is Hechi. So Hechi is a saguk set during the Joseon dynasty. Um, I <laughs> only watched one episode. Um, I have a real issue with really, really long K-dramas. Um, I just find it really hard to start them. Um, I just don't like the fact that they're that long and I really, really prefer shorter length ones. I'm not really sure why that is. It's a real personal taste thing. So I know other people will feel very differently about that but you know when I realized this show had 48 episodes I just was unable to invest my time I don't think that really has anything to do with the drama itself uh, so this one stars Jung Il-woo, who, I don't know, he seemed to be like absolutely on top of his game a few years ago and was so famous, but he seems to have, you know, sunk a little bit more into quieter sort of dramas since then, and his dramas don't really seem to ignite such a big buzz as I think they used to, um, but I quite like him, he's good. Um, it also stars Goara as the female lead. I not a huge fan of Goara. I have watched quite a few of her dramas and I feel like I really tried to like her um, but I, she just doesn't quite work for me um, as an actress. I don't know what it is. I don't know if she's if it's the roles she's taken on that haven't worked or what. I'm not really sure. So basically this show is a historical saguk. Um, Il Jung-woo plays a prince but he is a prince who is very capable and good at what he's doing but his mother was not the queen and was actually someone from the lowest sort of class in Joseon at the time so he's really not recognized by the royal family and he's not treated very well so that's his setup. Uh, Goara, her character is actually very very interesting she is a demo or a damo I guess is how it would be pronounced um, which I find I happen to be particularly very fascinated by the role of damos in Korean history so Dharma translates to tea servant and the idea is they were government um, slaves or servants who would sort of be tasked with cooking and cleaning and bringing tea for all the officers and officials, particularly in the police bureaus. Um, but there is on record um, that Dharma's, uh, these young women or you know women of all ages, I suppose, um, as well as those kind of... Um, you know, servant duties around the police bureau officers, they were also used sometimes to question suspects and even do undercover work for police operations, which is fucking fascinating, right? It's so interesting. 
Um, so because of the Confucian uh, kind of class structure of the Joseon dynasty, there was a lot of issues with um, like mixing of the genders. Um, men and women did not spend time together, you know, like they, they didn't go to a place and hang out. So even questioning, say, a young woman of the noble class, if you are a man and you're a police officer, that just absolutely may not be possible for you to go and interrogate someone who might be a witness to a crime or involved in a crime. And so that is where um, damos would be kind of sent in to do that. Um, as women, they were allowed to interact with other women. And then on top of that, the undercover, you know, police work kind of side of it, which is just the most fascinating thing in the world, um, again, makes a lot of sense. You know, if you want someone to be witness to something or listen into something or gather information, um, then, you know, what would be, I suppose, more unnoticeable than a, you know, a servant, a woman servant who is serving or doing something like that. But actually, you know, she's there for very different reasons. So I have to say, I find that aspect, uh, the whole Damo thing is just so absolutely interesting to me. Um, I'm very excited about it because I have a book that I've been writing where the main character is a Damo and is, you know, a detective and she's solving a mystery set in the Joseon dynasty. Um, so I'm very, very fascinated by that role, uh, that women kind of did in, in the Joseon dynasty. So I feel like I really should give this show a better go than what I did um, just because pretty much because of the the Damo thing. I really want to know more about it. I want to sort of see it in a show and see what that would be like. Um, it's just a real unfortunate thing that I don't particularly like the actress who is, you know, portraying that role that I'm so interested in. And I think um, from the first episode, it was a little bit bumbling. I don't know. I, I think maybe I would have preferred it to be a little bit more serious than what it was, but it, it didn't fully hook me from the first episode. But at the same time, I do think Sagok sometimes take a little while to get going, particularly if they're very serious and particularly if they're very, very, very fucking long like this one is. So my verdict on Hechi is that perhaps I will give it another go and I'm not really sure what I think. I'm not really sure if it's worth it or not after only one episode. So I think I really probably should dip my toe back into this one. Um, I would be really interested if anyone else has watched it and can um, recommend it or not. That would be really helpful for me is to know if it was worth it because fucking hell, 48 episodes, that's a big fucking commitment. Uh, so anyway, that's me uh, and my discussion on Hechi. The next 2019 K-drama on my list is Kingdom, uh, which I fucking loved it. That's basically my review for this one. So Kingdom is a historical drama. It's um, really big budget. This is actually a Netflix production, um, so it's quite a big deal. Um, it stars Juji Hoon and Beduna, and it's really, really good. It is... It's like a huge action set piece. Basically, it's a crown prince who is involved in all the usual sort of political plotting to save his own life and also deal with, you know, ascension to the throne that we are very used to from all the historical dramas that we watch. But on top of that, you have to add in a whole bunch of zombies. <laughs> so it is a horror. It's absolutely a horror. It's very creepy. It's very moody and atmospheric. And it is also very, very gritty. Um, 
you know, a lot of K-dramas that are set in Joseon times can be quite pretty and clean. The characters might be quite pretty and clean and their clothes might be quite pretty and clean. Uh, this one is kind of taking a more realistic approach to, you know, just fucking medieval times when everything was gross and dirty. Um, and I really liked that. I really, really liked the grit of this drama. It is also very, very beautiful um, in terms of scenery and in a weird way, even, you know, the squalor and poverty, it's very well done and there is something very striking about that imagery. I don't want to say it's beautiful because these are harsh sort of realities of, of living back then, but there is something very, very striking about, I guess, the set design. Um, I really, really liked it. I also felt like the action was really, really top notch. Um, I really like Juji Hoon as the crown prince. Um, I really like Bay Duna, who plays the female lead. She isn't given a heap to do in the first uh, first season uh, because season one aired in 2019. Um, I'm hoping she will be a little bit more present and kind of active in season two. Um, but all the the action set pieces, the martial arts, the fighting, the fighting against the zombies, it's very, very high tension. It's very scary, very creepy and just amazingly well done. Um, definitely one of my favorite characters in this show was a sort of mysterious ex-soldier called Young Shin who really toes the moral grey area in the things that he does and also has a very interesting and mysterious past that is, you know, shrouded from the viewer. So we don't know too much about him yet, but I'm very, very excited to see what will happen to him as well in season two. Um, I did a podcast on Kingdom and I talked quite a bit about Young Shin and his character, um, who is a tiger hunter. So that really pushed me to go and learn a bit more about the role of a tiger hunter in Korean history, which is just fucking fascinating. So if you like historical dramas, I think Definitely, definitely check this one out. Um, I know a lot of people can't deal with horror though. And I would say this is, it is creepy. Like it's very well done. Personally, I love a good horror. I love some creepy shit. Um, this one really hit the spot for me. I, I thought it was really, really perfect. Um, I cannot wait for season two, which will be coming out in 2020. I'm definitely recommend this. Also, it's only six episodes. It's so beautifully shot. It's really just action packed. Like you're not going to get bored watching a cool show like this. I uh, definitely recommend that you give Kingdom a try. Next up, I have He is Psychometric or That Psychometric Guy. Um, so I did talk about this K-drama in a podcast episode earlier in 2019. Um, interestingly enough, it's one of my highest listened to episodes. Um, so I feel that this drama was very, very popular. And I think that might have a lot to do with the main actor, Jin Young. I believe that he is a k-pop dude how embarrassing that I do not know um but he's very charming in this he's very good this is a really interesting show it is kind of like there's 
goofy elements, there's comedic elements, but on the whole, it's actually kind of serious. And it's about, um, you know, these two young guys, uh, one who's still a teenager when the drama begins and his older brother, who isn't really his blood brother, but in fact, you know, this kid that he's ended up with in an orphanage. And they both have this really, really traumatic past from when they were kids. Um, and they've had this crazy fire and, you know, loads of death and they've ended up in an orphanage. And now the older brother is sort of just taking care of the younger. And the older is really like, like slick and neat and cool and calm and cold. And the younger is just like, you know, the opposite. He's just passionate and fiery and he falls all over the place doing shit. So he more wears his emotions on his sleeve, I suppose. So the younger one, played by the actor Jin Young, also has this psychometric ability and the whole drama kind of ends up, I suppose, being about trying to solve this, you know, solve crimes, but particularly solve this big overarching mystery that extends way back into their past. And there is a completely creepy, like, serial killer person on the loose and all this shit's going down. Um, for me, I really did like this show, um, but... This is one of those shows that I loved most of it and then hated one particular thing that happened. And it's such a personal thing that I hated. Um, I know other people probably won't feel the same way at all. I think it's a really interesting show. Um, it also goes very deep and dark into some really fucking dark territory that was riveting, but very upsetting, but absolutely riveting um, from a storyline point of view. Um, the standout for me was the actor Kim Kwon, who plays a character called Sung Mo, who's the older brother. He's a prosecutor. He, you know, he's really cool and calm and has himself together. But little by little, you peel back the layers. And the question that the drama is asking about this, you know, really cool, calm guy is can he feel emotion? And if he can't feel emotion, what does that mean in terms of his actions? Like what might he do? So it's a really interesting kind of question. And then little by little, you find out more about Sung Mo's past. And his past is, you know, I know K-dramas are just filled with like young men with traumatic pasts um, that aren't able to get over their issues and blah, blah, blah. This guy's traumatic past is traumatic with a capital T. It might be the worst, also most riveting thing I have ever seen in a K-drama in terms of a tragic past. It is so intense and really upsetting, but just fascinating. And I think just so well done. Um, I, I don't want to spoil it in case, uh, I don't know why. I mean, I spoil everything on this show, don't I? I'm very sorry, everybody. I can't help myself. So I guess I'll spoil it. You can tune out if you want to. But Sung Mo, he's this guy who, you know, potentially doesn't feel any emotions to the point where one of the other characters finds a dictionary with words like happy and glad, you know, like circled, like, like Sung Mo is trying to learn how to feel these emotions and we find out that you know this poor poor dude when he was a kid he was basically born in a basement and his mother was like a captive to a complete psycho killer who is a man who literally cannot like a psychopath who cannot feel emotion and the only reason that Sung Mo 
isn't really up with emotions like happiness is because he was born into a world where there literally was no happiness. He doesn't know how to feel these emotions because they didn't exist for him when he was young until he's much older and now little by little, you know, he does have things that are good in his life, but he's just different from other people because of this trauma. So I loved that aspect. I, I, for me, it's, it's a side character's story, but for me, that was the main hook of the whole show, personally. Although I did find the main two, female and male lead, um, I really liked them. I found them very, very charming. I found their romance really sweet and really moving. But I have to say, for me, Sung Mo and the actor Kim Kwon really underpinned the whole show for me. And that's where, I guess, my emotions lay. As much as I liked everything else that was happening... And really enjoyed seeing, you know, all of that, the mystery unfold and the romance between Lian and uh, Yoon Jae-in. Kind of seeing that unfold was really, really charming. But for me, my heart was just invested in the Sungmo storyline. And it kind of ended in a way that was very, very upsetting with the death of a character that I was just kind of killed me. Um, but all in all, this is a really interesting uh, kind of crime mystery so it's kind of like a real spin on the crime procedural um by having you know the main sort of detective or the the female lead is more like you know your friendly neighborhood cop she's not like some intense detective and the main guy isn't even a detective he's just someone with these psychometric abilities so it's a it's kind of like a twist on that kind of crime thriller um with a little bit of like rom-com or not not really the comedy, but like the romance um, kind of thrown in. Um, I definitely suggest this show. I think it's it was really fun and I was really, really invested. Um, and also just mystery wise, it's very exciting. Um, it's quite fresh and different in terms of a storyline and there's a lot going on. So I really, really enjoyed this one. I would definitely recommend uh, His Psychometric, also known as That Psychometric Guy. Next up, I am talking about the 2019 Korean drama called Kill It. So Kill It has about the coolest looking promo posters of all time. They are like neon and slick. They just look like assassin killers. Like it's thriller and it's very, very cool. I really, really like them. Um, so this has only got 12 episodes. It's an OCN show. So that probably tells you it's pretty gritty. Uh, and it's about the main character is an elite assassin and uh, basically he's living you know a different identity and also there is I think she's a detective yeah she's a detective who slowly kind of you know knows him in real life where he's posing as a vet but is also sort of circling around this professional killer who is uh, you know killing people as professional killers tend to do uh so the male lead in this is played by Chung Ki-yong so he's kind of a newcomer on the scene as an actor um and I saw him in Come and Hug Me which is I think that came out in 2018 I can't remember off the top of my head but it's an amazing drama it's kind of like a melodrama romance melodrama um and he plays the son of a serial killer so basically he grows up with a dad who is the most terrifying man on the planet and it causes a lot of trauma anyway that's his last drama and I really really loved him in that so I was keen to check him out in this um and also the female lead is played by the actress Nana 
Uh, interestingly enough, she plays basically the exact same character in this as she does later in 2019 in the Che Jin Hyuk drama Justice. So I'm not sure if she's like one note or she's just really good at this or this is just the kind of role she likes. I don't really know. Uh, she's certainly very good in it. Um, so the interesting thing, I suppose, is that I didn't finish this drama, but not because I didn't fucking like it. Um, I actually really, really liked it. And this is one of those ones where, so I'm a lone K-drama fan. I do not have, you know, friends and family that are big into K-dramas, so I don't have people to discuss this stuff with. But I kind of talked someone in my family into watching this one with me. So it got to a point where I think we watched maybe two episodes and then, you know, I wouldn't watch it by myself because I'd wait to watch it with them. And then, of course, that never happened. And then I never fucking finished it. So that was pretty depressing. Um, I think I've got to go back and just watch it myself um, because it's not happening. Uh, with my family member, <laughs> sadly. Um, but then, you know, I feel like it's quite a twisty little plot on it and I feel like I'd have to start again, which is kind of a pain. Uh, but I think if I just throw myself in at like episode three, I won't have a fucking clue what's even going on. So I'm not really sure what I'm going to do about that. But I do feel... Um, I do feel like it's it's worth giving a go. Like it's only 12 episodes as well, which is nice. I like the shorter dramas. Um, so I think it's definitely worth trying out. If you haven't watched it, I think you probably should. Because, well, if you like these kind of more gritty OCN, this one's quite stylish and flashy. So there is a slight hyper reality kind of thing to it, which um, some of the other OCN dramas that are very gritty don't really do. They're much more... I guess earthy and grounded was this one there's something very slick about it which I don't mind it's very stylish and good fun um and you know flashy action and all that kind of stuff so I would really like to finish this one um hopefully I will at some point I might just wait a bit longer until I've totally forgotten the first couple of episodes completely so then when I start again it's not like a rehash it's actually just fresh and fun um but if you haven't watched it I would definitely say if you like this kind of thing this one seemed from what I saw to be a really good drama to check out so it is called kill it Next up for me is Her Private Life, uh, which stars Park Min Young and also Kim Jae-wook. Um, this is kind of a funny one for me because I absolutely loved it. I was so invested. It's so cute. It's so frothy. It's so much fun. And I loved it until I just didn't. And it's not that I didn't love it anymore. It was just like it wasn't doing the addictive thing for me. And I I could still watch it, but I just wasn't as invested. It was kind of like I just meandered off it and I don't really know why. Um, I've kind of tried to think about like what was it about it that didn't continue to suck me in because I mean I watched quite a lot of this show, um, quite a huge chunk of it actually, and I just really, really enjoyed it. Um, but when I think about it and try to understand my tastes when it comes to drama, I think the thing that didn't work for me um, which is just a total weird personal taste thing, is I've noticed with contemporary dramas, um, so ones that aren't, you know, historical or saguks or whatever, um, the ones that I really love tend to be coming-of-age stories. So like youth dramas or college-aged, you know, first love, that kind of stuff is where I, I find those kind of things really, really, really addictive and I really love them. Um, and I have noticed with a lot of the contemporary sort of workplace set adult dramas, so the kind of rom-coms, um, 
oh, there's so many of them. And of course, I can't think of any right now, but like so many of these kind of, you know, older workplace, not that they're older, geez, but you know what I mean? Like everyone's in the workplace and, um, you know, like sec- uh, what's wrong with Secretary Kim and all these kind of dramas that I do enjoy them. But I never seem to get as like emotionally invested in them for some reason. And I guess maybe that's the romance because I think, you know, if if you're watching a rom-com, the romance is, you know, that's where the emotion is. And that is maybe where some of those more modern workplace dramas for some reason are losing me a little bit. Um, and it's it's a funny thing because it's not like the romance in this isn't good. It's so much fun. It's absolutely really cool. Um, but I think it's like maybe when I get to the point where the characters get together, um, I kind of tune out. I'm, I, I'm like, oh, well, there's my answer. And it's like if I'm watching a drama that is mainly just a romance drama and doesn't have a huge amount of, you know, plotted framework around it or, you know, not a huge amount, um, it's kind of like once, you know, I guess the hook is, will they get together? Will they? Won't they? And when the drama answers that about halfway through with, yeah, they are going to get together. Look, here's them kissing. It's like, I can't wait to get to that point. All I want is, you know, to smoosh their heads together and for them to kiss. But then as soon as they have, it's kind of like the tension just seeps out of the story for me. And then I'm just not as invested anymore. And it's like, I don't care what they do after they get together. And I definitely don't want to have to watch them break up and then get back together, which, you know, is something that happens a lot in these kind of contemporary dramas. Um, So I think that's a total personal thing and absolutely nothing to do with the quality of her private life, which is a really fun, charming drama. Like I absolutely loved it when I was watching it. And then personally, because of my own weird personal issues, uh, it just kind of lost me when the couple started, you know, just liking each other, I suppose. Um, And I think I just really love that tension of the will they, won't they storyline. And it's, I think you know, as an author who does write things, um, you know, I, I do write stories with love lines in them um, that have love stories as part of them. And it is a real huge challenge as a storyteller to, to I guess, you pose that question of will they, won't they? Will they get together, won't they? Like that's what strings your readers along a lot of the time if you're writing a love story. And the hardest thing is to get the characters to a point where they profess their love for each other or kiss or whatever, and then keep that tension in the story somehow, even though you've answered one of the main storyline hooks and questions that you have posed, you know? Um, So I find that really interesting. It's something that personally, as a writer, I am interested in and also struggle with I think most storytellers would struggle with how to keep that interesting and personally as a watcher or you know a reader as well um I have noticed that I have like I am one of the first people to tune out if something doesn't have that continuing hook for me um particularly in that romance once that question gets answered yeah they like each other I'm like oh cool that's the end for me even though you know it's not really the end um so I think It was such a personal thing for me with her private life, but I did watch the majority of the show, um, a huge chunk. And I have noticed that about myself with a lot of these contemporary K-dramas that are set in workplaces. I do watch the majority and I love them. And then I think it must be, you know, around the time the couple gets together, I just kind of lose interest a little bit and I wander off to find something else to watch um, once, you know, I'm sort of satisfied with that storyline. 
Um, but I would definitely suggest her pri private life as a very fun, um, it's very comedic. It really made me giggle. I thought it was really cute. Um, Park Min Young is just so beautiful and just luminous and charming in this. And Kim Jae-wook, you know, has been deserving of a lead male role in forever. He's very, very good. So I definitely suggest this really lovely, very funny, frothy romance um, called Her Private Life. The next K-drama on my list is The Knock Do Flower. So this drama, this 2019 drama, is it's a historical and it is very serious and I guess a little bit patriotic, but I totally understand that. Um, it is based on, you know, the true history of some pretty tumultuous and terrifying times in you know Korean history and basically the the end of the Joseon dynasty I think it's kind of charting that death of that dynasty really um, and you know invasion uh, by Japan which eventually after many more years and sort of like a, a peace a period of peace um, does lead to uh, Korea being annexed and occupied by Japan. So I think it's the kind of drama where I get why it's so, you know, heroish, I guess, Korean patriotic kind of stuff, because there is so much of, I think, Korea's national identity tied up in the history of this story. It's a very important and very scary time. Um, it's a very, very interesting show. Uh, it has Yoon Shi Yoon in it, who I just adore. And he's quite interesting in this. He was my favorite character, obviously. Uh, but it had more to do than just because I love the actor, to be honest. The character that he played is this very... I guess goes through such an intense level of character change, not always for the better, and really sinks into some dark depths. And yet I think it's treated in a really interesting way that, you know, it's not just, uh, it's not one note, I suppose. He's very conflicted and as a character is is very, very complex and has many multi-layers to even when he's doing bad things, you know that he still wants to be a good person, but you know, he's very squeezed tight by the circumstances. Um, and I also, one of my favorite things about the show, um, it's basically about two brothers. One is uh, legitimate and, you know, not really high up noble born, but sort of middle class noble. Um, and the other one is illegitimate and therefore, you know, really lowly. And the lowly one sort of, because he's just been told he's an animal his whole life, he really acts like one. And the noble son, Yoon Shi Yoon, is very idealistic about the world. And the drama really charts them swapping positions and shows, you know, the young man who is just being treated like dirt, finding a cause worth fighting for and through that figuring out how to be a man instead of an animal and what that means to him and what he believes in. And it's a very moving character journey for him. And then on the opposite spectrum, we have someone who is extremely idealistic about the world being a good place and the possibility for positive change and positive restructure in his country, so kind of getting pushed into the most awful 
situations through, you know, nothing that he's done wrong and through prejudice, really, because he isn't as noble, you know, and high up born as other people are. And he just gets squashed under the weight of the world that he lives in to the point where he really struggles. He really wants to still care about it all. And it's just like it is relentlessly grinding it out of him. And it's a very heartbreaking um change to see but really fascinating and for me I think the hook of the whole show really is that opposite trajectory of these two brothers who find themselves on opposite sides of a war and yet you know love each other deeply but also you know particularly the brother who ends up in you know finding himself and finding something to fight for you know it's heartbreaking for him to see what happens to his brother that he always, you know, I guess uh, looked up to in, in a way, you know, thought was so enlightened and so amazing and so kind and just seeing him become destroyed really by war um, is horrifying. So it's a really, really, really good drama. I really enjoyed it. Um, the stakes are very, very high. Um, it also stars Hanya Rhee, who I, I just love her. She's such a good actress. She's brilliant. Um, unfortunately, and this is a problem I have with a lot of historicals, um, particularly when they're dealing with real historical events and not made up ones, is that I think the writers find it very difficult to figure out how to insert the female lead into the story in an active way, um, particularly, uh, you know, to give them an active role in a story that is set in a piece of Korean history that, to be honest, was played out by men. But definitely, if you like, if you like Korean history, um, if you like historical dramas, um, and you like high stakes, very you know emotionally intense stories, um, this one's quite full on. It's um, quite graphic. Uh, I would definitely, definitely suggest that you give Nokdu Flower a go. It's quite an epic, um, but it's definitely worth your time. The next K-drama on my list is Abyss. So Abyss was a 2019 drama. It's 16 episodes. I don't really know what fucking genre it is. It's very confusing. It's definitely not a rom-com. There's way too much death in it for that. But it's also not particularly serious. Like it's a bit of a weirdo kind of show. I did try to watch it. I only got a couple episodes in. It didn't fully gel for me. Um, so the basic premise of Abyss is, you know, this really beautiful prosecutor who works in violent crimes is pretty sure she gets violently murdered from memory. Um, but there's this weird bead that's called Abyss that like flies around and it revives her. And the idea is once you get revived from the dead, your appearance changes to match your soul. So apparently, even though when she was alive, she was this really gorgeous, beautiful, like classy, tall prosecutor lady. Uh, when she gets revived, she gets revived as this sort of really tiny, cute, cutesy, cutesy girl who actually looks like her mean co-worker. So I'm not really sure why the beautiful prosecutor's soul actually looks like her mean co-worker. But anyway, and then um, this other dude who's like, you know, oh, he's everyone's talking about how ugly he is. Um, and he 
gosh, I think he fucking kills him. Oh no, he nearly kills himself. And then he decides not to kill himself. Um, cause he's so upset cause he's been dumped by his hot girlfriend. And then, um, something happens. I'm pretty sure he gets stabbed up or something. I can't remember. And he gets that abyss bead comes flying around and revives him. And he gets revived into a really, really hot young man who's, you know, younger than he was, I think. Um, so these two, you know, revived people will actually knew each other. They were good friends in real life. And so they go on a mission to try and figure out what the fuck is going on because it's pretty fucking weird. Um, I, I did. I mean, I watched a couple episodes. I didn't not like it, but I, I just didn't get into it. I suppose I found the whole concept a bit weird. And then it's that whole thing where you you have sort of different actors playing, you know, characters. And I don't know, you're supposed to know what the characters are really like. And so, you know, you've got, you know, this really good looking young man constantly going on about how ugly he was and, you know, just stuff. It's kind of weird. I don't know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It just didn't kind of gel for me. Um, so the main actor in this is An Hyo Sop who played a side role in a really fantastic drama, I think, from 2018. And he was really charming in that. Um, I guess he was sort of a second male lead sort of character. Yeah, he was really sweet and charming. And he's okay in this. I don't know if he... You know, it's that funny thing. You get some actors who just seem to play second male leads for years and years and years to a point where you're like, why aren't you a male lead by now? Like Jisoo. And then you get other actors um, that seem to just jump the gun and maybe take on a lead role before they've quite... I mean, I don't know if it's an acting thing. I think he's probably fine in this. Um, he's okay. <laughs> but, you know, I kind of feel like maybe he should have done his time with this, you know, some sort of standout side roles before he took it on. Uh, the female lead in this is Park Bo Young, who is beloved by many as an actress and for some reason just has never worked for me. So, I mean, you know, as much as I'm sort of dissing this drama and saying it didn't really get into it and I didn't, you know, fully watch it, um, it might have to do with the casting just not gelling for me personally. I don't know why Park Bo Young hasn't kind of wormed her way into my heart she just hasn't though um I've seen her in quite a few different dramas and I just have never really loved her um maybe that might be to do with the characters that she played and yes controversially I also mean strong woman Bong Do Soon which is such a famous drama and such a famous role for Park Bo Young and I didn't really like that character. <laughs> I just didn't. I thought she was a bit of a bully. Like she always just got what she wanted by like bashing people up and threatening them. And I just, you know, whether you're a woman or a man, I just don't like that behavior. <laughs> so personally, I think it's probably a role thing that she just hasn't gelled for me. Um, I haven't seen her in Oh My Ghost or Oh My Ghostess. I can't remember which one. Um, which again is such a famous role for her. So maybe I need to hold off and watch her in that before I kind of have a verdict. But you know, sometimes an actor or actress just doesn't work for you and you might not really even be able to put your finger on the reason. So for me, I don't feel super, super positive about Park Bo Young, but I don't feel negative about her either. But I wouldn't watch a drama just because she was in it. So I found myself lagging in this one just because I didn't really find the characters very likable, I think, personally. Um, there's a really, really fun cameo um by what's his name what is his name oh uh so in gook and uh jesus what's her name 
Oh, Jung So Min, sorry. <laughs> so they both do like a really fun cameo as like, I don't know if they're reapers or aliens or whatever, but they sort of, you know, come with the abyss. And so that was very amusing. But it was amusing to the point that I was like, oh, I'd like to follow those guys in a drama. I want to find out what they're doing. So it didn't really work as a cameo because it was kind of more interesting to me than the main story. So I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't deter anyone from giving this a go. I think you might have a very, very different reaction to mine. I think it's such a personal thing. Um, but for me personally, I don't, I can't really put my finger on it, but this drama just didn't gel for me. It just felt like there was a lot of different weird things going on and I just couldn't get invested in what the characters were trying to do or what their personalities were. Um, and I just didn't, I didn't love them. I didn't find them or their couple kind of vibes hugely likable for me personally. So, um, but I, I wouldn't say don't watch it. If, if it's your kind of jam, I'd say maybe you would really, really love it. But that's it from me on Abyss. So the next K-drama on my list is Save Me Too. Uh, so this is the 16-episode drama brought out by OCN. And of course, it is the second season of one of my favorite Korean dramas of all time, Save Me, or also known as Rescue Me. Um, I loved season one of this, like to such an insane level that I think this season was always probably doomed to fail because it is just a different show and that's through no fault of its own um so I only watched one episode and I just couldn't get into it it just didn't work um and I remember when I when I first watched Save Me season one I was just hooked by the atmosphere of it from the opening scene, like the way that it's filmed, the vibes that it has. It has this very creepy small town, sort of gritty, blue light, dusky look to it. And I was just so moved by everything about that drama. And season two is it's still about cults um, and about, you know, I guess really creepy religious groups that are not, you know, that are weird and new and a bit false um so it's still keeping with the same theme but it's a whole new characters whole new town which again is fine I was quite excited to check this drama out just because of my love for the first one but this drama isn't a continuation of the first one in terms of feel or atmosphere or vibes it is a very it feels like a different show um and I think that was a bit disappointing for me. Um, it's just completely different. I think I would have really liked, yes, different characters, different story, but maybe just a continuation of this very kind of slow, thoughtful vibe that the first one has, this very thick atmosphere of, of menace, you know, um, that the first season really excelled at. Um, was this show starts with this dude in prison and he it was all pretty bonkers you know it was almost like a really over the top overacting like all these guys just like dancing and just being weird and I don't know it just like vibe wise or atmosphere wise it was so far from what I wanted that I wasn't able to sink in and just enjoy what this show was trying to give me um I couldn't help but connect it to its um you know its predecessor however the fuck you say that word you know what I'm trying to say to season one I just couldn't couldn't cut those ties in my head I feel like this is the kind of show that you need to just go into 
blind without maybe you could have knowledge of the first one but it'd be nice if you didn't know that they were connected and then I think maybe you could really enjoy the show I don't know um but I couldn't do it I couldn't get past the first episode um which kind of sucks because story-wise I think this sounds really interesting it's about this young man who has been locked away in prison for a couple of years and he finally gets out um so he's a real sort of I guess he's someone who just acts before he thinks and he has a really strong sense of justice. So he gets himself into trouble, but he's trying, you know, his heart's in the right place, but he's also very, you know, thuggy, I guess, in a way. Uh, So he gets out of prison, he goes back to his little hometown and he realizes that while he was away, his town has sort of changed and it seems to be kind of under the thumb of this kind of weird religious group and I'm not really sure how the story plays out but his sister his sister's safety seems to sort of be in the balance with this new creepy group so he starts getting involved in I guess bringing them down or just trying to help his sister I'm not too sure um, so, I mean, that sounds absolutely fascinating. I think the storyline sounds really, really interesting. Um, so I kind of feel that I would like to come back to this and maybe give it another go in the future. But at this point, I, I just wanted, and that's only my own fault. It's nothing to do with this show. I just wanted more of what season one gave me to the point where I just wanted like a direct sequel of season one, except I don't really because, you know, sometimes season two, you know, it ruins it if you continue a story that has clearly finished and should have finished. Um, so yeah, and I think I think me giving up on this drama, Save Me Two, is just literally because I love Save Me One so much, and this isn't Save Me One. Um, but I think for other people, if that little weird synopsis that I just gave is at all interesting to you, this might be a really good one for you to try. Um, I would love to know if anyone else has watched it, if they could tell me if they thought it was worth it or not, um, because I am quite intrigued by the the premise, I guess. And I did see a couple of trailers and I thought it looked quite good in terms of the way it was filmed. Again, just different from the first one. And I just wanted the exact same fucking thing. (laughs) So that's my own fault. So that's it for Save Me Too. So that's all the dramas I'm going to go through this week. So that's the first half of my 2019 end of year K-drama review. And I will pick that up again next week and continue on with the other dramas that I either watched or had a go at in 2019. So now it is time for my random thing of the week. So my random thing this week that I wanted to talk about is that I have actually also been watching some Chinese dramas in 2019. Um, I am, you know, I'm just a huge K-drama fan, um, but I I have kind of dipped my toe into other Asian dramas from, you know, other countries. Personally, other than K-dramas, Chinese dramas... um, it's something that I really, really like. Um, and I had a really good run. I haven't watched a whole load, but I watched a few this year. And particularly the ones that I watched that came out in 2019. Uh, I just wanted to talk about some that I really, really enjoyed. One of them is actually was amazing. <laughs> um, so the first one I'm going to mention was called Put Your Head on My Shoulder. It was a very, very sweet kind of college age 
romance, I guess. And I loved it. I thought it was really, really charming. It's like one of those forced cohabitation kind of shows where, you know, she ends up having to live with him in his apartment and they just get along really well. And, but you know, a little bit of bickering at the start, but it's very, very moving show. I loved it. Um, from memory, it's quite long and, um, it, uh, <laughs> I didn't last the whole thing. Um, but I did just, I found it thoroughly charming and very addictive while I was watching it. And I must've watched like 15 or 20 episodes or something. Um, so I still watched, you know, a huge chunk of this show. So it's called put your head on my shoulder. And I would definitely suggest that if you, you know, if you just like a really gentle, slow, quiet romance that is addictive um, just because of that will they, won't they push and pull. It was a really fun show. Um, the next one that I'm going to mention is called When We Were Young. This drama absolutely owned my heart. I was so addicted. So this is a youth drama. Um, I think it's set in the 90s. And it's set in this kind of like, kind of this little gritty neighborhood in this Chinese city. And I never found out what city it was. I really wish I knew because it was very interesting and pretty, um, but a bit lush and green. Um, so obviously down south somewhere. And it's about, you know, a bunch of friends that all go to this school. And it's basically just charting them maybe in their, I think their final year of school. Um, I've seen quite a few dramas that have a very similar setup to this. And that is a young girl who is very clumsy, who has, you know, a short bob haircut. I don't know why that's so specific, but I've seen that in quite a few different dramas. But very, very clumsy. She has a very loud sort of shouty but loving family um, and, you know, in the flat very nearby she has this boy who is very you know studious and much smarter than her and doing a lot better at school so in this version uh, this boy is completely in love with her but is unable to do anything about it and is just you know he's the kind of boy who will just do anything she asks for but he's also a little bit standoffish sometimes um, and then what happens they you know they have a little friend group at school and what happens is this other dude turns up and this guy is well one thing I really liked about this show is when you're first introduced to this this other dude he really comes across as a sort of wild bad boy type um, but when you get to know him you realize he's not at all he's really tender-hearted he's really sweet and he's just really really kind and I kind of loved this little like reversal of your expectations I suppose in the way that he comes in and you think oh here's the bad boy gonna make waves but really what happens is um you know, he turns up and he very slowly integrates into their friendship group and he makes friends with everyone. And it's just very slow, tender, moving kind of youth drama. And I, I would have to say it's almost more of a slice of life. There isn't any really big overrunning plot lines other than, you know, the feelings and everything's very subtle. Um, it's about, you know, just all the different aspects of growing up and those kind of growing pains and experiencing all these different emotions for the first time. Um, I found this show utterly charming, utterly addictive, considering it is so slow and subtle and nothing really big happens, but it, I was just reaching for the next episode the entire time. Um, I loved it. It was beautiful. It really moved my heart to the point where um, quite a few times I wrote down quotes from it because I was like, 
fucking hell, that is a piece of wisdom for my life. Like, this drama was gorgeous. I fucking adored it. Um, and it's such a strange thing because it is such a gentle, quiet, slow story. It's it's not bombastic or action-y at all. And yet the emotions that these teens feel, you know, they're so strong and vivid and moving. Um, I, I loved it. Um, the ending was beautiful and very bittersweet um and it kind of hurt my heart but at the same time it was an extraordinary way to finish this drama um so that drama is called when we were young and is a 2019 chinese drama if you're interested in reading more about it um i did put up a review on my blog um i think it's kind of back towards when i started the blog um it's not too long but it kind of goes into a bit more detail about the different characters and the push pull of the relationships and also how i felt about the ending um because the ending is a little bit bittersweet but only in so much as it felt very true to life and very true to the story. Um, I actually, I thought it was quite perfect. Um, so I, I loved this drama. I really, really loved it. The more I'm thinking about it again, now that I'm talking about it, it reminds me of how, how beautiful it was. It's a very touching, moving show. So you can read that review on my blog if you want to. It's called When We Were Young. Um, and you should definitely check that one out if that sounds like your kind of show at all. The next drama that I'm going to talk about is called Bloody Romance. So this is a Chinese drama that I watched this year um, that just, I loved it. It has 36 episodes and I watched it all in a row <laughs> and I'm not mad about my really long dramas. So that kind of shows you um, how much this one meant to me. So this is kind of like um, a fantasy historical Chinese drama and it is about a young woman who is from a destitute family and her father sells her into a brothel and when she gets there she obviously doesn't really want to particularly be there and through different weird circumstances she manages to gain entry into this sort of mythical um, clan of assassins that live on this sort of cloud mountain place um it's very otherworldly and very interesting although it still has you know it's part of this fantasy state which has a king and you know who's it's a very earthy sort of king kind of area but then there are in a weird fantasy I don't really know <laughs> it's very like mythic I suppose um I loved it so this young woman is basically training to become an assassin as part of this kind of group of women assassins and she's doing it because she fucking doesn't want to be sold into prostitution she doesn't want to die of hunger she just wants to live but she's also a very I guess um I don't want to say tender-hearted, but, you know, she has a very strong sense of what is right and what is wrong and what is good. And obviously being an assassin really pushes her into a lot of gray areas as she tries to figure out what she will and won't do. So she gets assigned what is called a shadow, which is the most insanely handsome young man in the whole world who is basically her servant. And he has to just treat her like his master while following her around and doing everything she says. So he sort of acts as her guide to this new world and, you know, is constantly trying to save her when she's about to fuck everything up. But at the same time, he has his own mystery and you begin to realize that he has infiltrated this group of assassins and he is there for a very particular reason. And of course, a very tentative relationship blossoms between these two, but it's also very 
very, uh, I don't want to say unequal because he's, you know, he's a servant and she's very high up compared to him in the hierarchy of this place. Um, but it definitely leads to a very interesting dynamic because he's like, you know, he's an intense, badass warrior, but around her, he is, you know, he's very lowly. He's nothing. And I think he's quite aware of that. Um, and I adored this drama. It was just one of the coolest things that I watched all year. I loved it. But it is also extremely dark. Like I was constantly shocked by how far in not exactly graphic, but in like, I mean, I guess graphic as well in terms of the violence, but even more the emotional intensity of how far they were willing to push things really shocked me. Um, the romance in this is unbelievable. For me, I thought it was extraordinary. And I really thought the point of this drama was the romance. But the ending was came out of left field and shocked the fuck out of me. And I don't love it. But at the same time, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this show, Bloody Romance, and figuring out what that ending meant. And I realized, I guess, in the end, that it wasn't a show about a romance between two people. It was a show about an emotional journey for one woman, a coming of age for her as she grew into herself and decided what kind of person she wanted to be. And it is also a show very, very much about the idea of if someone goes through terrible traumas, does that then not excuse them to inflict trauma on other people, but does that mean that they, it's inevitable that they will become someone who is cruel to others? Or is there a way to get through your trauma and still be a kind person and still treat other people well? And in the end, that is the main question that the whole show is centered around and is asking. And it, it really shocked me when I realized that because I really thought it was a love story and it, it isn't. It is literally about this main woman and, and her journey to being who she is. And it was epic fucking epic really good um even though i've realized at the end of the show that the romance isn't the main point the love story in this drama is very intense and just so moving to me i really really loved it um so much conflict and so so many complex interesting layered characters um peppered throughout this show also great fight scenes um that kind of i think they call it waxia um the kind of chinese fighting style which is you know it's obviously very aerial with like wires and it just looks amazing so it's a beautiful period piece um i will warn you the ending is completely fucked uh so you can read about I've, i did do a blog post for this one as well i, I just loved these two chinese so much but um you know my podcast is specifically a k-drama podcast so I didn't want to devote a whole episode of my podcast towards um these Chinese shows or maybe I should have I don't know but I didn't um so instead I, I wrote uh some reviews for my blog so if you want to find out more about bloody romance and also find out about the ending which stabbed me in the heart and was insane uh then you can check that out on my website it should be fairly easy to find just if you go back um scroll back through my blog posts um and it, i definitely have a very spoilery review so if you do want to know how it ends before you decide whether you want to commit to 36 episodes you can do that but in saying that 
no matter how it ends, um, you know, tragedy, uh, this show was one of my favourites and I'm, I'm just, of this year, I'm so glad that I watched it. Um, I just absolutely adored it. Um, I, I found it so moving and so exciting. So I definitely, definitely recommend it if you... I would even say if you haven't watched a Chinese historical drama before, it'd probably be a pretty good one to get into because it's very fast paced. Um, it moves very quickly in the setup and the stakes are very, very high. Um, it is quite violent, so it depends how your threshold is with some graphic stuff, I think. Um, but it's really, really worth a watch. I loved it. So th that is Bloody Romance, um, the Chinese drama. Alright, so this episode is like long, so I'm going to keep my something I'm loving section very short. Um, pretty much I just wanted to talk about, uh, for this section, you know, out of the dramas that I've mentioned that I did watch in the first half of 2019, I just wanted to talk about which ones were my favourites. Um, so the ones that I loved most out of everything I watched was the Chinese drama Bloody Romance. I just fucking adored it. It was so moving. Um, I've already harped on enough about it, so I won't continue. The other drama that was my favorite of the first half of the year was Kingdom, the Korean historical zombie epic. Um, I loved it. It was thrilling and scary, and I just cannot wait for season two. It's such a good show. I definitely recommend it. And then probably just I still loved this one, but just a little bit less than the other two, but was still one of my favorites of the first half of the year was my first first love starring Jisoo. So that's the kind of college age youth romance drama. Um, I loved that one just because it was sheer addictive joy to watch it. Um, I was never bored. All I wanted was to marathon it. And for me, that's a really good sign of a great drama is when I'm not watching it, I'm desperate to be watching it. You know, that kind of drama that makes you want to pull a sickie so you can stay home and marathon it all day long. So I think out of the first half of 2019, those were definitely my favorite dramas. So the Chinese drama, Bloody Romance, and then the two Korean dramas, Kingdom, and my first first love. <laughs> 